The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Good morning and welcome to this Friday edition of the Source of Truth podcast. Thanks for joining us this morning as we finish off the week together. Uh, we're glad you're with us. We are in the book of 1 Peter, and we're going to finish up the last few verses of 1 Peter chapter number 3. So if you're following along with us in your Bible or your podcast, on your phone or tablet or whatever, we're in 1 Peter chapter 3, and we're going to pick up in verse number 18. Now, last couple weeks, we ref- not, sorry, last couple days, we referenced the idea of the reality of suffering and our response to suffering. And then there's a little bit of an example that we see here where Jesus is the example of suffering and what he did. But this one, these few verses, they go further than just saying Jesus is the example and a good reason to follow and expect this. There's a lot of extra theology in the next few verses as to really what took place in the process of Jesus' suffering and what he did for us and how he purchased our salvation and and some of the things that sometimes aren't always obvious in every scenario that took place in that time. And uh, so it's intriguing. We're just going to kind of get a if you can almost say a glimpse into the um, backstage of what happens in the area of salvation, so or at least at the time of the crucifixion. Let's go to verse number 18. Peter says this, For Christ has also once suffered for sins. I like what he says, once. You cannot, you know, once Jesus has paid the price for salvation, it's done. You can't keep repunishing him. You can't keep redoing it. To think that, uh, it's completed. To think that we need to keep trying to do something to earn the salvation eliminates the sacrifice of Christ. He died once for all. It's all completed. Uh, so Christ offer has um, Christ has also once suffered for sins. The just Christ for the unjust us, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quicken the spirit. He his body was killed, but Holy Spirit livened his spirit, brought him back from the dead. But there's a lot of things that happened. You know that he died on the cross. We know that he physically died on the cross and he rose again three days later. So the question's often asked, what took place in those three days uh, while he was in the grave? And that's about what we're going to talk about here. Please understand one important aspect to look at. One of the debates when you start studying up the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ is whether Jesus really died. uh, One theory is that Jesus kind of went into a coma or in conscience and then his wounds healed, and he when the, when he when his disciples found him, he came out of his com uh, he became conscious or came out of his coma. Well, if you remember the passage where it talks about when uh, when they um, put a spear into the side of Jesus, the Bible says the blood and water came out separately. Any research will tell you that means he is dead. Uh, and there's other proof to that point, but we know that he died on the cross spent some time, and then was brought back from the dead. That's important because when we look to our future resurrection, our future rapture, that's all part of it. We have that because Jesus conquered the grave, and he could not have done that if he had not died. He did completely die. Jesus brought him back. And this is an example. He was put to death in the flesh. By the way, I don't need five other verses to prove this verse. This verse clearly states that. It's nice, nice though how God, throughout Scripture, gave us other references to back up what we know. So then he says in verse 19, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. Now, what in the world is he referencing there? We know in the book of Ephesians, the Bible says he went down and led captivity 
captive. So let me tell you what I know he did do when in those three days. One of the things he did is he went down the place we call Sheol, um, many call it Hades. Uh, Luke 16 references where the rich man looked over and he saw Lazarus and there's this gap between them. Uh, one half was Hades, the other half was Abraham's bosom. You see, before until Jesus had died on the cross, placed the blood on the mercy seat in heaven, and it finalized that, people could not actually go into the presence of God. That was part of the Old Testament rituals. We knew that with the tabernacle and the temple. And so now we, we see that scenario. So Jesus had to go down. He had purchased the keys of death and hell through his death. And when he went down, he went down to this place we call Sheol in Hebrew tongue, Hades West now. He took those, we call those captivity, those in paradise with Abraham's bosom. So it was a beautiful place. And he took them, the Old Testament saints, though to this point, took them to heaven with him. The Bible says, in hell hath enlarged itself beyond measure. Uh, it consumed. Now what we see, what we believe to be in the center of the earth was the full consumption is no longer two places at one place where all of mankind that has not been saved goes. So we believe he did that. There's some commentators who believe that he went down and while he was there, he preached uh, to the demons and he preached to uh, the prisoners of Satan saying that he had won the battle. I, I, all I know is this, he went down, he took these people to heaven. We do know that for a fact. And so he, he preached unto the spirits in heaven, whether that was satanic spirits, the, uh, the ones who had died, maybe just Abraham, those in Abraham's bosom, but you know he went down and he took people back to heaven, okay, which were sometimes. And he goes in to describe that, that this, I think when he talks about this, he's continuing, which sometimes are disobedient. I think these were those who were unsaved and saved, but he then gives a reference of this idea of salvation in verse 20, which sometimes were disobedient. Whence one, the long suffering of God, waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing, there were in a few that his eight souls were saved by water. So he goes back and he compares the salvation of the souls that he went down to see with a picture of Noah and the ark. Now please understand, it's always been a picture of salvation. Uh, the ark was the only way to escape the wrath of the flood. And anybody could have entered that ark. Only eight did, only Noah and his family, but he preached for the entire, or Noah preached for the entire time they were building the ark that anybody could have come. But the world was so against the truth that they wanted nothing to do with it. As a matter of fact, they mocked the old man for what he was doing, building a boat nowhere close to water. So uh, this is the picture of today. The ark was the picture of the cross, of what Jesus did on the cross and us being able to reach out to him. And so he talks about like those people who didn't and only eight were saved, that's sometimes what we're gonna see and some of them chose. Now, then he goes on and talks about a figure. Notice he says the like figure. It's important, we'll explain why he says that. The like figure we're into even baptism does also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answers of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, does that mean that baptism saves us? It does not. It means, see, we understand that when we get saved, the next step of obedience is baptism. The baptism is a picture of what took place at salvation. We go under the, we go under the water, we come back up. It pictures the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are put our faith in Jesus, and in a public testimony, we get baptized in picture of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. This is the figure. That's why it says a like figure of this. Um, the water was part of the time of Noah. You can see all of the, uh, the figure coming together in these passages. When we come to Jesus, we come and we throw up because it's not just a matter of putting away 
us trying to become good. He's saying, I have to come to God. He makes me better. I can't just become a good person and God will accept me. God accepts me as I am, but I need to get saved. And so he comes to us in that passage. This is the picture of it. Verse 22, who has gone into heaven, talking of Jesus Christ, has gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. Now he gets up to heaven and he is the ruler. In fact, in Ephesians 2, it says, um, he ends up getting up uh, in heaven and all, all knees will bow and all tongue will confess. So he came down to the form of man and later was taken up back into heaven and the supreme authority having conquered sin and death for us. And because of him, we have, uh, he is our mediator. We have an access into heaven, access into the presence of God. We have a promised hope. All of that is found in these verses. Now, I will say there's a lot of theology found in these different sections. And some of you, some of you might say, I mean, I've never even heard some of these things. Uh, but the premise is this, that uh, there's a lot of things that took place. Jesus died and he went and fulfilled a lot of the Old Testament figuring. I believe that Jesus took his blood, placed it at the mercy seat in Jesus. I believe it would still be there today. Um, and he finalized that picture of the Old Testament Old Testament practices of sacrifice as the perfect lamb. Um, and he finalized that. So when we get to heaven, our sin has been covered and paid for, or eliminated really by Jesus Christ. And so we see the other pictures. Now the question is, what will we do? We know that's true. We know he's paid the final price. Will we choose it? You can continue to say, I don't believe it, but it doesn't eliminate the truth of it. And the key is this, you can't just say, well, I'm not sure, maybe when, I, maybe when I die, I'll look into it. Please understand, the Bible says, it's a point in a man wants to die, and after this, the judgment. You will either end up in heaven in the presence of God, or end up in hell with no way out. There is no in-between when you die. It, it, it's either way. And it's not your good outweighing your bad. It's have you accepted Jesus? Have you not? Please, Jesus doesn't want you to go to hell. He put, his, he put himself, God put his only son on the cross for you, so you wouldn't have to go to hell. And he pleads with you to call upon him. Can I encourage you that if maybe you're hearing this and this is somewhat new to you and you've got some questions and you'd like to talk to us, so you can go to our website at bensalembaptistchurch.org and our phone, our phone information is there. Email me, call me, uh, give me a chance to be able to maybe answer some of your questions. Well, thanks for joining us this week as we finish up the chapter 3 of 1 Peter. Thanks for participating in this. We really hope it's a help, hope it's an encouragement, hope it teaches and instructs you, and hope, hope it just reminds you that God loves you, he's got a plan for you, and uh, he's still on the throne. We appreciate the time you spent with us today. Hope you join us again this coming Monday.